Welcome to Syracuse Speaks, a Syracuse Crunch-centric podcast. I'm your host, Alex Ackerman. This is season six of Syracuse Speaks. Let's get started. And a very good morning to you all. I say that because as of right now, it's still morning. Syracuse plays at Utica today at three o'clock, so I wanted to try to get this out to you all before that game happens. A little bit of pregame listening going on today. It is an early Sunday morning. Well, I mean early in retrospect. It's kind of gray and rainy outside, and Central New York is due to get a little bit of a snowstorm later on today, tonight into tomorrow, as of this date, which is December 10th. So I figured why not give you all some listening today, whether you have holiday plans going on or if you're just going to be pre-gaming it before the crunch game or, I know, preposterous to think about, but maybe a different game that you happen to follow on a Sunday. And, you know, sit down with a cup of coffee, maybe some holiday cookies or baked goods that you might have going on, and Let's catch up on everything that's been going on in Crunchland over the past couple of weeks because it has been a little bit since we sat down. I very much appreciate everybody's understanding. As I explained in the last episode of this podcast, this is going to be my only episode during the month of December. It's the holidays. I usually try to take a little bit of time off from the podcast during the month of December just to give myself some extra time to enjoy the season and perhaps do some holiday things or go home and visit family a little bit more often. And of course, both Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve are on Sundays this year, which is when I usually record. So that also cut down the time that I had. So we're here together today. We're going to check out where the team is and I will update you on when you can expect the next episode of the podcast. As of right now, and again, please keep in mind that Syracuse does play Utica later on today, but that will not change the standings as they currently sit, which is good. Yes, Syracuse's record will change a little bit, obviously, depending on the result of the game, but Utica is so far below Syracuse right now that it won't change where either team sits in the standings. Obviously, Syracuse would rather Utica stay below them in the standing, so it behooves them to maybe pull off a a point or two during this afternoon's 3 o'clock tilt in Utica. But, you know, as of right now, this won't change where either team sits. So where is that? Okay. As of right now, Syracuse is currently second in the North Division with 28 points. They have a record of 13 wins. Six losses, no overtime losses, and two shootout losses. As a reminder, teams get two points for a regulation win or a shootout or or a shootout or overtime win, no points for a regulation loss, and one point for an overtime loss or a shootout loss. So that's that's how those points are totaled up throughout the regular season. In first place in the North Division is Cleveland with 29 points. So Syracuse, with a win today that would get them two points, could frog jump Cleveland and end up in first place 
I am actually, as I say that, Cleveland does not play today. So that is, in fact, what could happen because Cleveland is idle while Syracuse plays. And in fact, Syracuse has played, as of today, one less game than Cleveland. So they have a game in hand on Cleveland that will be used up when they play today because Cleveland does not. So a win today, two points, could frog hop Syracuse into first place. A one-point loss, so either an overtime loss or a shootout loss, could tie the two teams in points. And then I'll uh, I'll let the AHL figure out the tiebreaker because I, I don't care right now. It's, it's December 10th. I'm not going to worry too much about tiebreakers for who's going to get first place when everything is said and done, if that scenario occurs, and who's going to get second. I really don't care. So that is where the top of the North Division currently is as we speak. In third place in the North is Belleville with 24 points. Fourth place is Rochester with 24 points. Fifth place is Toronto with 22 Sixth place is Utica with 21. So this is why I say they can't possibly catch Syracuse at this point in time, because even if they were to get two points with a win, they would only have 23 points, which is not going to equal Syracuse's 28. Just to paint a little bit of a picture for you there. And then in seventh place is Laval with 17 points. Their Record is particularly not pleasant to look at. They currently have six wins, 12 losses, three overtime losses, and two shootout losses. So that is where their 17 points come from. Um, They are unfortunately currently the whipping post of the AHL's North Division. To briefly visit the Atlantic Division, and, and this is valid because of the game that Syracuse played Friday night, which in my opinion was part of the reason for Syracuse's scattered performance on Saturday. In the Atlantic Division, first place, Hershey Bears. Their record is 19, 5, 0, and 0. So they have 19 wins and 5 losses. That's fairly impressive for any team at this point in the season. Um, In second place in the Atlantic is Hartford with 15 wins, five losses, and three overtime losses. Coming in to Syracuse on Friday night, Hershey had won nine games in a row, I believe. Uh, their previous 10 is nine and their previous 10 games, their previous 10 game record is nine and one. And that one loss was their loss Friday night in Syracuse. Patrick Williams, who covers the AHL for the AHL.com and the NHL.com and a couple of other news affiliates, in case you aren't familiar with who he is, which if you aren't, oh my goodness, please go find him. He's amazing and covers the league with such passion And I'm a particular fan of his human interest stories. He's done some great ones on Hockey Fights Cancer in particular during the month of November. So if you haven't caught up with Patrick lately, please make sure that you go do so. He he tweeted before Syracuse's game against Hershey that the matchup would be a great matchup for the Eastern Conference Finals 
this upcoming spring. And, you know, it would be really interesting to see the two of them go at it. And after watching Syracuse and Hershey play Friday night, I'm in agreement with him. Uh, the two teams, I mean, Syracuse skated with them and Syracuse ended up winning very convincingly. And, you know, I think Syracuse Friday night played a very disciplined game. They stuck to the game plan. They did everything that Coach Joe Bouchard and his team is asking them to do. And it was a really solid hockey game. I think that that game, though, having to be so disciplined, having to, you know, Hershey is a fast team. And, and Syracuse is also a fast team, but I don't think up until that point, I'm not entirely sure that Syracuse had been really challenged. And Friday night was a challenge. Syracuse was victorious, but I think it took a lot out of the guys. And they also knew that they had a three and three to play this weekend. So Saturday night with Utica in town, and it always like kind of, it is frustrating when you know that players are probably being told to conserve their energy because they have a three and three and Friday night was a tough test and you have all of this extraneous stuff going on with the three and three schedule, you know, three games in, in three days. And it just sucks when it happens against a huge rivalry, right? Like it's really too bad that last night's game couldn't have been against Laval or Lehigh Valley or, I don't know, Providence. Some some team that maybe Syracuse doesn't, although I say that, but the I was going to say doesn't have a rivalry, such a rivalry against, but I will admit the last game against Laval was pretty rough. So I don't know. I just, you hate to see it happen against Utica, right? Because it is a rivalry game and you hate to see, you know, you kind of know that the team is, is conserving their energy because they do have to play a three and three. And, you know, you know, Friday night was a tough competition. And so there's that aspect to it too. And I think you also hate to see it on a night like the teddy bear toss because that is such a fantastic minor league tradition. It is a great charitable event. You know, it's fun to watch. Um, and so there was just a little bit of a, I think, of an air letting out Saturday's game, but it certainly doesn't spell doom in any way, shape, or form. So, you know, Friday night, Syracuse wins against a streaking Hershey Bears. They get, as they have been getting, contributions from up and down their roster. It's a complete game. Saturday night, Felix Robert scores just a, just a little over, I think, 10 minutes into the first period and sends the teddy bears flying. Syracuse collects just under 6,000 bears, which while less than previous years, I think last year's total was a little bit over 7,000. That's still not bad for a year where inflation has really caused a lot of problems for American families, especially those in central New York and particularly in Syracuse. You know, it, it's hard. And, and my brain is trying to figure out which direction I want to go in with this. Because right now, Syracuse is one of 
the most struggling cities, Onondaga County in particular, is is has really been hard hit by the economy. And in fact, I think Syracuse is number one in the state for child poverty right now. A lot of those kids in Syracuse, and granted, like this is true for a lot of places in New York State and a lot of places elsewhere in the country, but the crunch is situated in Syracuse, so that's where my focus is. A lot of the kids in Syracuse are not going to have a very good Christmas. Having been a former teacher in an area where poverty was high, it was more of a rural poverty, but it was a high poverty area. And currently working as an administrator in an area where poverty is high down in the southern tier, I don't see it day to day because I'm not in the buildings like I was when I was a teacher, but I'm definitely aware of it. I know what those Christmases are going to look like. I know what it's like for those kids whose peers might be talking about all of the great things they got for Christmas when they didn't get those things. A lot of AHL cities are situated in blue-collar areas where families need help. Things like the teddy bear toss provide that help. You know, those toys go to kids in need. It's, it's a charitable event. So considering that Syracuse is in a blue-collar area, which means that a lot of the people who go to those games are blue-collar people who probably are struggling in some way, shape, or form themselves, to even have that many animals donated, which really was not that much less than the previous season. And really, I mean, we all know everything post-pandemic has just been really hard. There's been a lot of different factors that have been affecting families. So the fact that even that many things were donated, and it looked like a lot, that was impressive. The Syracuse faithful definitely still showed up for families in need. And that was really good to see. So Felix Robert this year sent the teddy bears flying. It was a fun event. You know, yes, it does zap some of the adrenaline and momentum out of the game, but it's fun. And, you know, it, it, it teaches also, it teaches, can teach kids the act of giving. And, you know, the point of the tired teddy bear toss is that you donate your used stuffed animals. And then in Syracuse's case, Stanley Steamer, um, we'll clean them up before they are donated. But obviously, you can also bring new stuffed animals too. So these events are also a great way to teach children about helping out other kids who might be in need. So like the whole event, you know, as much as there there are negativity, negative aspects to it, um, my best friend actually mentioned too that that she's always concerned about the ice condition because some of, you know, the toys, they're they're dusty and, you know, the ice isn't in great shape after all of those animals land on them. Um, it's still fun. And I'm still so glad that the team does it, you know. Unfortunately, after that goal, the game did not go in Syracuse's favor. And Syracuse ended up losing to 
the Utica Comets three to one. So the Teddy Bear toss goal was unfortunately the only goal that Syracuse scored. But, you know, again, there were a lot of factors that went into the team's performance last night. Um, currently, you know, Syracuse is, is still performing above expectations. And, and I say that, you know, look, this team is fun to watch. I would never, ever, ever say that they weren't. This team is clearly playing for each other. When I watch the videos that the team has been putting out after wins of, of Coach Bouchard's, you know, kind of campfire powwow get togethers, you can tell the community in the room. They celebrate each other, they speak for each other. He always makes sure to point out the players that he thinks he did well, that, you know, he thinks did well. Uh, you know, they they ask each other to say a couple of words, like even even the 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 captain who I think after his what was it 800th game in the American Hockey League said like three words. You know, he's he's not someone for big speeches, you can tell. But it seems like a safe space, you know, where where the guys really celebrate each other. And that is absolutely coming through on the ice. But the fact is, like, this team still doesn't have any players in the top 20 scorers in the league. This team has has a goaltending situation that has been up and down all season long. What this team has is scoring up and down the roster, which is something that the previous couple Syracuse teams who had high-scoring players like Barry Boulay didn't have, and that's why they never made it very far, is because what you need to make it deep into the playoffs, or really even make the playoffs convincingly, is scoring up and down the roster. Currently in first place in points on the team is Mitchell Chaffee, 18 points, 20 games played. So he's almost at a point per game place uh, pace. He has been very impressive for Syracuse so far. Right on his heels is Gage Gonsalves, also with eight points. Robert, who was the hero of the teddy bear toss Saturday night, 17 points, 18 games played. Maxine Groshev, who perhaps has been the most impressive rookie on Syracuse's roster this season, 15 points, 21 games. Fifth place on the team, Captain Dumont, 15 points, 21 games. Jack Thompson, 15 points, 21 games. Daniel Walcott, 12 points, 20 games. Emil Lilleberg, 10 points, 21 games. Gabriel Fortier, 8 points, 16 games. Sean Day, 8 points, 14 games. Joe Carroll, who has also been one of Syracuse's most consistent players as far as effort, 7 points, 17 games. So they're Syracuse's top 11 so far. That is a nice spread. That is a spread that is not top-heavy because, you know, you figure between your first-place scorer and your seventh-place scorer, you know, 18 points to 12 points. Like, this is what it's supposed to look like. You want that depth because if somebody does end up getting called up and, um, you know, 
I, I will just note that as of right now, we don't know anything about Victor Hedman, who is a defenseman who plays for the Lightning. He left last night's Lightning game and did not return. So I haven't seen any updates on his status just yet. But, um, you know, Philip Myers is probably going to be next in line to be recalled should they need a defenseman for a little while. Um, Sean Day could also be on that list. And if that happens, I'm just going to say that we found out just this past week that Cameron Gauntz, who is a defenseman who has previously played for Syracuse, has not been uh, signed to a contract until he was signed to a PTO, a play, um, a tryout contract with the Toronto Marlies just recently. So um, Cameron Gauntz is available if the Lightning is looking for a a, a long-term veteran defenseman for Syracuse to, to make up for the fact that there's literally only two of them currently on the Crunch's roster. <laughs> um, so we haven't heard anything on the status of Hedman. It could be just a, a whatever, and they just kept him out for precautionary purposes, or there could be something more serious going on. That could be problematic. On the other side of things with the Lightning, um, forward Connor Sheary is slowly making his way back. So up there, you know, Cole Kepke, who would be really the only option that's not going to have to clear waivers, could be returning to Syracuse sooner rather than later. I really don't think the Lightning is going to risk losing Barry Boulay at this point in time to waivers. I think he has earned his spot up there, and I think he's going to stick. But Cool Kepke is just chilling. So Syracuse could be seeing him very soon. That will help out the forward side of things. It's not really going to help out the defenseman side of things. But, you know, hey, the Lightning doesn't seem so concerned about that, so I guess I should just let it go. So all of this is to say that Syracuse is performing well, but above expectations, which is perfectly fine. This team is a lot of fun to watch. And I sure hope personally that that continues regardless of what happens with the lightning. And the nice thing about depth that you can count on is that it usually does continue regardless of what happens with the parent club. That's why it's so important. I'm actually really glad that that segment lasted as long as it did because I heard something from someone who covers Syracuse sports in general, and and I don't want to like blow anybody's doors in, so I won't reveal who it was, but they had said to me just this past week that a fan had said to them that the current team is the best team that Syracuse has had since the Zen and Kanapka days. Um, I originally had a rant planned about that comment because, uh, no, like, I'm just going to very quickly just say that Zen and Kanapka, for those of you who were not familiar with Syracuse history and lore, was team captain in 2007-2008. He he was traded to the team about the middle of the season before. 
And yeah, Kanapka made a huge difference in the team for sure. And that 2007-2008 team is one that Crunch fans from that era have held on to very tightly because the thing is, is that that team went on a 15-game winning streak to end the regular season, won round one against the Manitoba Moose in the Calder Cup playoffs in very dramatic fashion. They won all four of their games in overtime. There were a lot of historically loved players on that team. I mean, me personally, Carl Gehring was on that team. Dan Smith was on that team. Zenon Kanapko was on that team. John Morasti was on that team. Derek Dorsett was on that team. There's a lot of players from that era that that fans really loved and held on to. And, And not only did you have that aspect of things, you had the way that season ended, which was that team blowing a 3-1 series lead against Toronto in the second round. Uh, that round ended in Toronto. And, you know, one of the the problems when teams like that, when their season ends in an away city, it, it, it feels like there's a slight lack of closure because you don't really get to say goodbye to them. So there's that aspect of things in Crunch fans' psyche. But then there's also the fact that Syracuse – really didn't have anything to celebrate hockey-wise, at least performance-wise, from the end of that playoff series in 2008 to the fall of 2012 when the Lightning came into town and brought with them the defending Calder Cup championship team, who then, which is my main problem with this fan statement, went on to take Syracuse to the Calder Cup final for the first time in team history. And then in 2017, did it again. So look, I am aware that that 2007-8 team holds a certain mythology in crunch fans' minds. But let's pump the brakes a little bit on... First of all, saying that this team that Syracuse currently has has been the best team in 15 years, that that doesn't even make any any, any sense Um, um, because you had a, a you you went to the Syracuse went to the final round twice in that time span. So. I understand that what this fan is probably looking at is the type of hockey being played. Because in a lot of ways, this current team is very comparable to the 2007-2008 team. But I also feel the need to remind fans, too, that that team wasn't really even a solid playoff team until March of 2008. They were middling. They were hovering between fourth and fifth place, which at that point in time, it was the top four teams in every division making the playoffs. So like Syracuse was in the playoffs one week and out of the playoffs the next. That that, that team, I'm not going to say they weren't good, but you can't compare 
you really can't even compare their regular season performance to this current team's regular season performance because this current team's regular season performance is better than that team's with, to, to be quite honest with you, less firepower. I mean, that team had Joachim Lindstrom, who um, was incredibly talented, you know, just off the top of my head. Um, you know, that team had Carl Gehring and Nett, which I'm biased and I am perfectly willing to admit that, but, you know, he was great. That team had some incredible defensemen. Like, that team was was fine, do not get me wrong, but if you're looking at standings results, you know, you don't necessarily want your team to have to win 15 games in a row to end the regular season to make second place in the in the division. That's not the way it's supposed to go. So like I am the first person to also admit that nostalgia is something that fuels me. I I have, I have a couple of things that that very much propel me forward in life and nostalgia is one of them. But just like let's let's pump the brakes on that particular comparison because to be honest with you I, I do I do think this team is is good and I actually think that they're better than that team in a lot of ways but that statement completely ignores the fact that in in the time in between Syracuse has gone to the Calder Cup final twice that's my main issue with that statement so you know, that that is a very condensed version of the rant I was originally planning on going on. Uh, so it's just it's it is fascinating to me how fans look at things and how history, you know, that that time period between that team and then the lightning coming into town was tough for Crunch fans. I mean, I remember that time period. It was really hard. The Anaheim era that occurred before the Lightning coming to Syracuse was dark. It was bad. It was frustrating. Syracuse was treated like a second-class citizen in, in, the, in the Anaheim structure of things. Um, it was bad. I'm not going to lie. So, like, I absolutely understand why that 2007-8 team is held up to such a high standard in some team in some fans minds but like let's just kind of maybe maybe back off of comparisons from really what honestly was an entirely different era of AHL hockey you know there were players on that team who would not be on modern AHL rosters. And whether you think that's good, bad, or indifferent, you know, John Morasti doesn't have a place in today's league. A lot of those players wouldn't have a place in today's league. And, you know, again, whether you agree or disagree, I think it's really hard to make comparisons between two teams that played in basically two very different American hockey league. Yes, that has to be plural. American Hockey Leagues. There we go. So, sorry, it's it, it's still early. I told you guys that. So, there we are. Um, there I am. That that I'm gonna end there and just let's say let's take a look at Syracuse's middle to end of December, 
and uh, what is coming up for them next. And really what is a very busy holiday season. Um, Just as a general programming note, my next podcast episode is currently slated to be recorded on January 7th. So we have a bit to go over between now and then. As I said, right in the immediate view of things, we have today's game at Utica. So that's going to take place at three o'clock this afternoon. Then Syracuse travels to Wilkes-Barre on December 13th. And I'm I'm sorry, I'm just confused because according to the schedule that I'm looking at, that game is also at three o'clock. I don't know if I've ever seen a three o'clock in the afternoon Wednesday game. Do I have an easy way to look that up really quickly as you all just like hang out and listen to me ramble? That can't be. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So that's not right. Okay. I would, that makes me feel a little bit bit better. So just as a heads up, I have a feeling that the schedule on SyracuseCrunch.com, which is what I use for this segment because it also has the promotional schedule tucked into it. I don't think that one's correct. (laughs) So the schedule on Syracuse.com currently has Wilkes-Barre Scranton. Um, the schedule for Wednesday, December 13th is starting at three o'clock. The AHL.com says it starts at 7.05, which is the usual start game for a Wilkes-Barre Scranton game. So I'm going to say it's a usual, it's the usual start time. I don't think that start time's right. Okay, moving on. Uh, December 16th, sorry, goodness. December 16th, Syracuse will be surprises of surprises in Utica. Again. Uh, then Syracuse will be visiting Providence. So next, so the upcoming week is all completely away games before Syracuse returns home on December 20th against Laval. Syracuse remains at home for December 22nd, which is a Friday. That'll be a game against Cleveland and December 23rd at home against Rochester. So at least those, those two teams in particular don't have to travel too far right before the holidays. Crunch gets a little bit of a break for the Christmas season, and then they return to action in Rochester on Wednesday, December 27th. They will then spend December 29th and 30th in Laval before getting a break for the new year and returning to action December 6th and 7th, which is a Saturday and Sunday in Toronto. And that pretty much takes us right up to where we will be the next time I get to visit with you all. And that podcast episode will have me, I am sure, happily in anticipation of the Wizarding Night, which is coming up in about a month on January 13th. That is a Saturday. So um, I am sure that I don't know, maybe I'll sort the team into Hogwarts houses or something if I can think that I know them well enough. And I'm honestly not entirely sure that I do, but like I could try it. Something, something will happen, um, I'm sure, during that podcast episode. But Syracuse has a pretty busy slate coming up and they have a little bit of a decent spread against teams. There's a lot of 
kind of two games in a row against the same team. This this year's schedule is very weird because it, it seems like that's a pattern where either it's like a, you know, you're home one night against one team and then the next night you're you're facing them in their home arena and it's the same team or like this stretch Syracuse plays a lot of teams twice in a row at away or whatever. It's very strange this season. But anyways, um, Syracuse has a fairly nice spread during that time. There will be some tough contests like, you know, Providence as previously discussed is third in the Atlantic and the Atlantic division always seems to be slightly more competitive than the North Division for whatever reason. So that'll be a tough, a tough test for Syracuse. Cleveland coming into town as of, you know, on December 22nd. Um, Cleveland's currently number one in the North, although that could change depending on Syracuse's results today. But I'm sure that those two teams will probably continue to flip-flop each other for a little bit as these weeks go on. So that'll be interesting. Um, you know, yeah, so there's some pretty interesting matchups coming up for Syracuse as you look at the divisional positioning. And of course, we're slowly but steadily approaching that midway point of the regular season. And once that point passes, you know, we start looking a little bit closer at standings positions because then it's like the playoffs are a lot closer than they currently are. So It'll definitely be interesting to see the next time we sit down together where Syracuse is in the standings and what kind of work they're going to have ahead of them as the season slowly starts to come towards playoffs. I want to wish you all a very happy holiday season, regardless of what you celebrate. And if you don't celebrate anything, that is perfectly okay too. I hope you have a safe and happy end of your month. I want to thank all of my listeners, new and old, for an amazing 2023. Y'all have stuck with me through life changes and graduation and a move and a new job and changing ways that I cover the team because of, of, you know, going completely independent instead of being with a news outlet. And I appreciate it so very much. Thank you all for listening. Have a great rest of your month, and I will see you all in 2024. I think that will do it for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for listening. I crave interactions and feedback, so please feel free to get in touch with me over Twitter. And I'm still calling it Twitter because I refuse to call it the new name. My personal Twitter is at Alovimo, as always, A-L-L-O-V-I-M-O. Keep taking care of each other out there in Crunchland, and I will see you next time.